We've already had a sermon. If uh, you want to look at poetry, maybe get a few poets in to unpack the poetry. And we've already had that. And I would encourage you. I know we're trying to keep up with our readings as best we can. I'm looking forward to a long flight tomorrow to just catch up a wee bit in Matthew there. Um, But if you have other time, then take that middle section home and ponder it line by line and you will have enough spiritual food uh, for quite a long length of time. But Presbyterians think you need to preach as well, so here goes. We are going through, if you're a visitor among us, um, the New Testament over Lent, and we were with Matthew this week. And a couple of weeks ago, John and I were, well, John said to me, you're into Matthew. That blessed song of uh, Lucinda Williams seems to fit in with the Beatitudes, and suddenly... We could do the Beatitudes, we could get Scott and Chris on board, we could look at, I love Eugene Peterson's um, paraphrase of it, that would be a good morning, which is where we've kind of got to. And so I want us to look at these Beatitudes, this poem of Jesus, and I want us to find some of the stuff we've been journeying in for the last few weeks, and some challenge, encouragement. Let me do another of the poets who have touched this Canadian singer called Bruce Coburn. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, for theirs shall be the kingdom that the power mongers seek. Blessed are the dead for love and those who cry for peace and those who love the gift of earth, may their gene pool increase. Like a shadow on the step, where the body was before, shipwrecked at the stable door. You may have wondered where that image came in my prayer. There it is. Where did it come in Coburn's song? It came from the writing of Brennan Manning, who is a, a, a spiritual writer who comes up with some wondrous moments of insight at various times. It's from a book of Brennan Manning's called Lion and Lamb that Coburn was reading at the time he wrote this album about Nepal, actually. So if you're from Nepal, a big circumstance with Bruce Coburn, there's even a song about Kathmandu there and all kinds of other things. But in the middle of it, there's this song, Shipwrecked at the Stable Door. And I've loved those words since the very first time I heard them. Like the shadow on the step where the body was before. Shipwrecked at the stable door. Resurrection, Christmas birth, All in those three lines. Here's, let me read from Brennan Manning about this idea. The shipwrecked at the stable door are the poor in spirit, who feel lost in the cosmos, adrift on an open sea, clinging with a life and death desperation to the one solitary plank. Finally, they are washed ashore, and they make their way to the stable, Stripped of the old spirit of possessiveness in regard to anything. The shipwrecked find it not only tacky but utterly absurd to be caught up either in tinsel trees or in religious experiences. Doesn't going to church on Christmas make you feel so good? They are not concerned with their own emotional security 
or any of the trinkets of creation. They have been saved, rescued, delivered from the waters of death, set free for a new shot of life. At the stable, in a blinding moment of truth, they make the stunning discovery that Jesus is the plank of salvation that they've been clinging to without knowing it. All the time they are battered by wind and rain, buffeted by raging seas, they are being held even when they didn't know who was holding them. Their exposure to spiritual, emotional and physical deprivation has weaned them from themselves and made them re-examine all that they once thought was important. The shipwrecked come to the stable seeking, not to possess, but to be possessed. Wanting, not peace or religious highs, but Jesus Christ. Whoa, what a way into the Beatitudes. The shipwrecked examine all that they once thought important. The shipwrecked don't want to possess so much as to be possessed. The shipwrecked aren't after some momentary religious high, but Jesus Christ. Over the last few weeks as we've journeyed in our New Testament readings, we've looked at the counter agenda that Jesus laid out in Luke's gospel. We've looked at how the Holy Spirit leads us and builds us up and causes us to know and be discerning and what we should do for him and the acts of the apostles. We've looked at growth as we looked last week at Paul's pastoral prayers and how he wants growth within us as individuals and as a congregation. These are the aims, and the aim is actually that we would get to be the Beatitudes. That's it. That's it. Scott's on to it in his poem when he says this is how it was always meant to be. This is what our salvation is for. This is what Jesus came and died for and where the step is only got a shadow where a body was and where the shipwreck come to the stable because the Beatitudes are what it's all about. Re-examining what's important. Not possessing but being possessed. Not a religious high but Jesus Christ. What's important? The world gives us importance, doesn't it? Who the important are. I got caught into last night and quite enjoyed it, I'll confess, the voice. And um, <clears throat> I thought it was really interesting how each of them were fighting off. If you haven't seen the voice, basically the four judges that go from Tom Jones, who played guitar with Elvis in Hawaii, to the singer of the script from Dublin, who doesn't seem to be getting what he deserves for all the songs or the singles that he has sold. But anyway... They have their back to these singers who come out and they can't see the singers. Hence, they can't see all the other stuff that is important in pop music. All they hear is the voice. And then when they hear the voice is good, they press the button because they want them on our team. They want that singer on our team. And last night, they were fighting over who was the most important. Well, I have sold this many and I'm current now and she's just current now. And poor O'Donoghue at the end from Dublin just doesn't seem to be that important at all. It's all about who's important. VIPs. Make sure they have a red carpet. Oh, look who was here last Sunday night. 
and uh, watches as we all ran round the important. Some went for the MEPs and I just went for the pop star that had platinum discs. Now you're interested in what happened last Sunday night. Well, if you don't come out on a Sunday night, then you miss the pop stars who've been number one on the charts and have sold millions of CDs and the MEPs as well. Who is the important? I'm glad this is recorded. I better be careful. I'm glad Sinead O'Connor wasn't here. But anyway, Sinead seems to me to be a, a woman who is fascinating, but you wouldn't like her in your congregation or on your session or whatever else. But she's just brought out the most intoxicatingly spiritual, provocative, prophetic album that you're going to pick up this year, maybe. VIP, one of the last tracks. Sinead O'Connor. Listen, who is she singing about? What is she singing about? Who's really, really real VIP? The one that's telling the most conquering king who looks around at everything and sees exactly what we've been? He is the face that never was nor will be kissed. Do we think that we will be down on his guest list? When we are standing at the gates, judgment, after being fashionably late, there'll be no makeup there. There'll be no hairdos, no voting, voting bags. I have no idea what the fashion is. There are no Manolo shoes, Manola shoes. I heard that in some TV program. <laughs> when he's presiding over you, Asking you, did you love only you? Or did you stand for something else besides hankering for fame and fame itself? The one who always was and always is will show you what a real VIP is. What's important? Who are the VIPs? Surely not this rabble. The poor in spirit. Those who mourn. The meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the pure in heart, surely the pure in spirit and those who mourn, surely these people, these are not the VIPs of Sinead O'Connor's world that she's then turning in its head and asking, well, what does the conquering king come to tell us are the important people? And this is it. These are they. The important people in the kingdom are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the pure, the peacemaker, the ones who feel the back of the hand, but then realize in the lifeline of the palm, as Scott badly paraphrased there, picks up again in his poem. Who are these people very briefly? The poor. The poor in spirit. And let's actually just for a minute do a self-critique here. Let's not ask who we know that are these things. Let's ask the minister and who you are in your own soul. Let's self-critique how poor in spirit we are. Or are we rather haughty in spirit? And there's a few around here that I wish were just as holy as me. I think there's a few here haven't got their theology quite right. Oh, I would love that they. No. No, the 
kingdom's not yours. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who have an inner attitude of openness. Because they have nothing to lose. They just want to. The poor in spirit. Those who know the depravity. Those who know, like Isaiah, that they were of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips and they had seen God. The poor in spirit. Are those who mourn. Those who are empty. They have nothing to offer because they've lost that which is dearest to them. And there's a void. Huge gaping void that they haven't filled with any of their own humanism or their own sense of possessions or whatever. They just are empty and need filled by something transcendent. What are we full of? Or do we mourn? The meek, the egoless. Now we kind of are a strange little breed in Belfast. Now we're building the Titanic after a hundred years to say, well now, that was a bit dubious anyway, you know. But, as uh, what's his name from the Dock Cafe said at um, the missionary rally, built by the Irish and sunk by an English captain, a Scottish navigator, and a Canadian iceberg. So we're really not, you know, it wasn't our fault. But C.S. Lewis, he's our fault. Yes! C.S. Lewis is from here. They think he was from Wheaton College in Chicago, most people. Because that's where the museum is. East Belfast? No. America somewhere, because we're quite meek, actually. No. Georgie Best, uh, he was the best that was, but he was a drunk. <laughs> Alex Higgins, I uh, was the best that was, but he was a drunk. Van Morrison, he might hear the tape, not going to say anything. <laughs> we have this kind of, oh, we're just Northern Irish. We're not really that good at nuts. I grew up, when I was seven, George Best was the best footballer in the world. And so I thought we were the best in the world at everything. I thought Northern Ireland was it. Now, I'm not saying that we should have the other, because... It's that meekness that's actually a good trait. But then, the opposite flip of the coin in our, I don't know, schizophrenia is. Well, those people that go to that church, I tell you, they're not right. Oh, no, we're the ones that are right. In fact, we're going to start another church because we're so right that they're so wrong that we're going to go and, but no, there's not one, no, we'll start our own. And then after three weeks, oh, well, those, I thought they were all right, but they're not all right. And we're going to, because we, we know that we have it. We are the people. And so this group of people that can't really celebrate anything good about ourselves are so haughty and on our high horse that we kill people because we're right and they're wrong. And we should have and they shouldn't have. There's a certain ego that comes with 40 years of trouble and division. And sectarianism and prejudice. Blessed are the meek. The egoless. Those who hunger and thirst. Sort of been pondering these words all week. Trying to think of those who hunger and thirst. Those who connect with the deep pain. There was a girl who sang last night. 
And Will I Am, is that how he says, I don't know, he's William to me, but he has a few dots in there as you have nowadays. But he's a cool wee dude. He says, I heard your pain as you sang. He seemed connected to it. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, remembering that Walter Storff has moved that away from our pietistical idea of not smoking, not drinking, and not swearing to the justice of the nations. Those who are connected to the pain of those around them are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The pure. The pure. I was reading a lot of different people and then I was bringing the best of it to what's best about these commentaries. And somebody said that the pure are the unified hearts. They're pure in that that you don't get them here and they say, oh, you're really lovely. I, I really think you're the best. And then they say, you see them? I just would not give them the time of day. The pure are the undivided. What you see is what you get. No wee sneakies or manipulations. Just who they are in God. And the peacemakers, well, the truth is, if you do all the rest, you will make peace. Because there's no war coming out of being poor in spirit, mourning, being meek, being merciful, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and being pure. These are the important things. These are the things that God wants of us. And he wants us to be possessed by them. Possessed. Not in possessions, but in being possessed by these things. And if you look at these things... You find this word blessed has been translated. There's a good news version, happy. I'm sorry. Sounds like Ronald McDonald to me. Happy or the poor in spirit. I don't think. Now, to be fair, there's a lot. It comes from Beatus. I looked it up and the Latin adjective means happy, fortunate or blissful. I'm not sure that's exactly what Jesus is at here. Or I'm not sure this is what this poem is trying to say. There's something far deeper going on than some sense of happiness. And Daryl Johnson, who um, teaches, um, or used to teach preaching at Regent College Vancouver, I went to as many of Daryl's preaching classes as I could because he usually preached in them and he's the best I've ever heard. Daryl teaches preaching so well that once you've heard him preach, you just want to go and give it up. You know, um, he's just so good. And there was this lovely six-minute bit on YouTube this week and it was like being back in Daryl's office and he was just sitting there talking about these Beatitudes. And he says, and I think this is really powerful, he says, the way to translate this blessed. Now, he was trying, he's a man of his time. His children are of their time and they've grown up a bit. But when his children were my children's age, NSYNC were the big band in America. And so Daryl was playing off this NSYNC being the biggest band in America. Now, Katie liked them, I think. Anyway, um, and so he uses this word NSYNC to try and I'm not the only one who tries to, you know. And he says, in sync are the poor in spirit. In sync are those who mourn. And what he means is that those who do these things are completely and utterly in sync with who God is. We're connected. We're in sync with him. We've been redeemed. We're part of his community. The Holy Spirit is poured out. And suddenly, we are in sync. With what God wants for us. And I kind of took that a little further in my own mind. To being deeply satisfied in our human fulfillment. We were made to be these things. We were redeemed to be these things. And when we find these things. We're so in sync with God. We're so blessed by them. That we have that deep 
delight going on in our lives. Because it's what we're meant to be. And when we do these things, we feel closer to being alive than we could ever feel in any other way. We need to be possessed by them. We're in sync. But who are we possessed by, finally? Who are we possessed by? I sit at Christmas and I will tell you every Christmas. Listen to the line again. Everything Jesus does and teaches is in the nativity scene. And here it is. The first words of his first sermon. Think of the stable that we had there at Christmas. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. We have this alternative view of the world. God not coming as a VIP, as a big king of kings and president of presidents in human terms, but coming as a little baby in the edge of the universe in a little useless place somewhere in the Middle East, Bethlehem, where nobody was paying any too much attention, apart from those who were there to sign up and say we're alive. And we find the Beatitudes in the straw. And we find the one in the straw being the Beatitudes. This was the character that Jesus showed us in his life. And it's this Jesus that we need to have possess us. This is coming out of the nativity of Matthew into the rest of Jesus' ministry in Matthew. It's almost the lever that it swings in. And he says, these Beatitudes... That's who I am. Look at how I was born and how I arrived. And this is what I'm going to be talking about for the rest of my ministry. You need to be possessed by the Jesus of the Beatitudes, not the Beatitudes that Jesus shared. Words here ain't enough. We gotta be indwelt by the person who says them because they are a character sketch of him. And here's the last challenge. They're not just nice words or a poem. They're not a poem that we can rewrite as poems. They're not good thoughts or a character sketch. They have to be alive. This is who we have to be. I've quoted the Copeland before. We are not who we wish or we're not judged by what we wish. We're judged by the deeds that we do. The world out there is not going to read this and say, oh, those Christians, that's a lovely little poem they have. I would be attracted to that. They need the poem to be made flesh, move in among them. So we need, I need, I need tomorrow on a long, long flight to New York to critique Where am I not poor in spirit? Where am I not mourning? Where am I not hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Where are the places in my life where I'm not merciful? Where are the places in my life where I'm not pure in heart? Where I'm a wee bit double-headed? I need to critique. And I need to, like Isaiah, seek forgiveness. And I need to believe that the Jesus, the shadow on the step where the body was, has been raised so that shipwrecked as I am, I can come to the stable door and find the plank of salvation that I can live. I need 
possessed by this Jesus so that the Beatitudes are not something we stick in a poster on a wall, but they are walking posters into every house, street, office, school, law court, shop, golf club, yacht club, aeroplane, college, walking posters of Jesus' Beatitudes on the streets would change the world. Start with me, Lord. Let's pray. Lord, this is not where the world looks for importance. These are not the traits that you put on your CV. These are not the things that would get you onto a reality show or top of the charts or the best actor in Hollywood. But this is what you long for us. This is how it was meant to be. This is who we're meant to be. Lord, this week, teach us the things that you see as being important. Possess us with these character traits of Christ. May the Christ who spoke these words dwell in us so richly that they will come alive and move in us. Who will go for me? Who will we send as the Beatitudes out into the world? Who will be poor in spirit for me? Who will mourn for me? Who will be meek for me? Who will hunger and thirst for righteousness for me? Who will be merciful for me? Who will be pure in heart for me? Who will be a peacemaker for me? And who will be persecuted for me? Who? Dare we? Dare we seek the courage to say, here I am, Lord. Live the Beatitudes through me. Please, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.